0: This is Biz, and if hosting One Bad Mother for over 10 years has taught me anything, it's that parenting is hard and nobody gives a shit. So belly up to the low bar, where fine is good enough and you'll never feel alone. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, what if it was all about Eve? Pat Bohannon joins to talk about her new book, Eve, How the Female Body Drove 200 Million Years of Human Evolution. So you know I had to have her on. Welcome, Kat. Thank you. (laughs) Hi. Hi. Just in case people aren't Googling right this very minute, a brief bio on Kat. She is a researcher and author with a PhD from Columbia University in the Evolution of Narrative and Cognition. Her essays and poems, see, I love this. Her essays and poems have appeared in Scientific America, Mind, Science Magazine, The Best American Non Required Reading, The Georgia Review, The Story Collider, and Poets Against the War. And now for the ever fun question Who lives in your house?
1: Well, I assume a lot of bacteria.
0: Yeah. But beyond um, that,
1: beyond that, just like so, yeah. so, so, so many. Not just because of my hygiene, but also I'm a slob. Okay. Yeah. And I also have my partner and mm-hmm. I also have two offspring. Oh. I have Ooh, one delightful. son and one daughter, or at least they have. They have all right now. The, they have all the typical <laughs> bits and yeah. I happen to know about their chromosomes because there was IVF and testing. And if <laughs> I'm wrong about that, they're going to correct me later. Yeah. Oh, they so will. Trust for me. Now, I'm running with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How old are the kids in your house?
1: So my son is going to turn five. Uh-huh. uh, next week. Yeah, and <laughs> basically a hot minute right now. Yep. And my daughter turned three in the middle of the summer. Oh, so you have a really
0: very special combination of age and all the things that go along with those ages in your house right now. Is that why you're in a hotel right now by yourself? <laughs>
1: Oh, darling. Oh, darling. I am in a hotel because the skies opened and yeah. Manhattan stopped sending trains out of New York. I'm also in a hotel because I've just started my book tour. My yeah. book comes out on October 3rd, and we're talking just a few days before. So I'm doing all the things. Yeah, you're doing but all the it things. It is true. It is true that I am sleeping better than I have in a long, hot time. Yeah. Okay? So yeah. I, the. F- the flipping REM cycles. Like I got REM cycles. I got (gasps) REM cycles. I got REM cycles, like all up in. It's so good. It's It's so good.
0: So good. You know what I have found? This is not a helpful fact. So I apologize. That like the tired bar, right? Like you think if I get some sleep, it's going to reset it back to whatever, whatever was once normal. Every year that bar of rest and like, brokenness from tired just just doesn't you're never gonna get it back and i wish i could get it back i mean like i went with that belief for a lot that
1: myth that you'll get it back yeah and I, no 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 that's not that's not a thing no it's not no no the past doesn't come back turns out that's not it's just there Mm-hmm. in the past that's why it's called past it is oh, past the what? past yeah no so i don't know about you but i had when i had young kids i had a lot of people telling me oh it's gonna go so fast now it doesn't. it's gonna go so fast <laughs> and and then because i have some background in psychology i'm like so do you know the effects on memory from sleep deprivation oh do you understand that what you have is amnesia yeah that I is can. why this felt fast that's right. what happened to you. I, <laughs> it's not just that they're cute and then you have like nostalgia. You actually have brain damage. Yeah. That's you're what brain I'm telling age. you. Now, look, I, watch me segue this so
0: beautifully because- I'm ready. I, Do it. You know, what I am so excited about your book here is that you point out that we possibly have never really been considering the differences- that female bodies have from male bodies when it comes to how we understand our evolution and as everybody Mm -hmm. on this show knows that i like to talk about how very little we know about Mm -hmm. female bodies Mm -hmm. and i think Mm -hmm. about having kids in the house and like the assumption that we know what we're supposed to do the assumption that we like what we're supposed to do the assumption that our bodies will do all the things they're supposed to do I'm hearing
1: you say supposed to a lot. And you the like funny that? thing about the yeah, word tell supposed me. to is that it's, there's something that the word normal means uh-huh. in science. And there's something that the word normal means to like people living in the world, talking and using normal language. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. So in other words, in the sciences, there's such a thing as average. There's such a thing as falling under the curve. You know, if you've mm-hmm. picture, you ever pictured a bell curve, like, you know, what's, what's quote, normal for a population is like what most bodies are doing, yeah. right? That doesn't mean the outliers don't exist, right? Mm-hmm. And no good scientist ignores their outliers. They're always telling you more about what's actually going on under the curve, and often they are new directions for your science, right? So in other words... You know, here are people living normal lives and they're told what normal is supposed to be, but we're not really talking about it because taboo and taboo and taboo, but you know, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, but the thing is, is like, there's a huge spread of normal Mm -hmm. in postpartum recovery. There's a huge spread under that curve, under what your body may or may not do during pregnancy or during birth. Right. right? So that means that, you know, we confuse the, like, what we want it to be and then Mm -hmm. call that normal with what it actually is that we're not talking about, which may well also be scientifically normal, but you may not have been told, right? R- so that's the way, wh- right? Yeah. Right? No, no, I was just going to part- say that being told is so critical. and It's really critical. Yeah. And I have sympathy for OBs, right? For obstetricians yeah. and gynecologists, because it is not their job to scare the living shit out of you. Okay. It's sure. not, it's not their job to be like, By the way, you have an X percent risk of hemorrhaging and bleeding out and dying tomorrow, you know, and then like changing that report and that number each day. They know it. You don't need to know that. Don't need to know that every day. Right. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So their job is to give you a pretty well informed sense of what's going down. Leave a lot of stuff out because it's rare. Mm -hmm. Right. Sure. And then let you know about the rare stuff if it looks like that's kind of the way you're tipping. Right? right. That also means, though, that you have your informed consent, but like a lot of women don't actually know the full spread of what's possible because yeah. doctors don't want to scare you because women are uncomfortable talking about our bodies. I mean, we are, you know, maybe you and me, I'm an oversharer, but yeah. like, you know, not everybody. Right. Well, so I'll overshare all these ways.
0: I just don't know exactly what I'm always talking about because i am that person who was like i don't know catholic and southern at some stage and like you know oh, we just do, yeah. yeah thank you we just don't you know talk about it and now when i talk about it i'm like i don't know i assume it's down there but some, something's going on there and mm-hmm. i think it's all right but what i like about your work and other work that has has begun coming out is this look at how not including the female body in with some of these sciences. Like, and I Mm -hmm. kind of- The male norm. The male norm. So I have two Mm -hmm. questions to get us like remotely back on whatever track I had imagined us being on. Mm -hmm. And so I want to start by asking, like, I really want to know what led to this book. And I, I mean, it's not like I assume you just woke up five years ago and were like, I'm going to write this book. Well, first of all, 10 years.
1: 10, ten years. years. Sorry, I apologize. 10 years of writing this book. Let no, me get... <laughs> no, no, no. It's all good. It's all good. I mean, I also got my PhD at the same yeah, time on a lot. an unrelated topic. Yeah. Okay. So I had to finish my experiments and write that up for Columbia. Uh, well, I mean, my training prepared me in part maybe for the brain chapter and for the voice chapters. Mm-hmm. in so the evolution of the brain. And so where human language comes from and what makes it distinctive. Like, okay, I had some training there. All right, so there's your voice chapter, and there's your, there's your brain chapter. But otherwise, I'm doing this totally separate thing with my head um, <laughs> to make my dissertation happen, right? So I've, I've got this, like, segmented thing happening, you know, with these two things running parallel. Meanwhile, I also have uh, six pregnancies and two birds. Uh, two live births. I have two living children. And, I ha- and all of those miscarriages were fancy. Just like,
2: just oh, like, just,
1: just like, did you need to, did you yeah. need to go and be that rare? Like that thing, like a ah. topic m- miscarriage, okay? Yeah. Actually tried to kill me. Internal bleeding. Hospitalized. Yeah. Good job, Evolution. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I had, ooh, I had one that was an empty sac. So that's when everything develops but the embryo. And you oh, just get wow. this like... M- Big meat balloon. That's just like growing and empty God inside of your uterus. Yeah. In and out of hospitals doing all of that, but also wrote this book. Right. So, and, and when you work on anything for that long, it's like, it's not like you're, it embeds itself in your yeah. life. You know what I mean? Like at a 10 year project, this is, this is, this is a chunk of your life. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it was when I became a mother and it was many of these things, but that was like halfway through I started the book before I'd ever had the experience of any of these uh, hospitalizations of motherhood. You know, some of them expected, some of them not. Very unexpected. Right. There's often hospitalizations for becoming a mother, but some of them are, are different and emergencies. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So it's hard to really pick apart how it was influencing my life or how my life was influencing my research. Right. Yeah. Because of course, as I'm learning all about the evolution of the vagina, which yeah. I now know an unusual amount about. Right. When um, did we lose the teeth? Lose the teeth. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The vagina. vagina, yeah, vagina teeth. yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that was probably when... Never, because we never Never, had to, yeah, because that's yeah, not... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> great, good, good, yeah, good. Yeah, no, we did, however, shift... Like, we could have had more than one vagina. That was, like, a very strong I, option up until the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs. I I Two vaginas we, seems unnecessary. I mean, like, you know, I... I would be down with, like, three or more. I'd be cool with that. Yeah. They can be useful. So, Mm -hmm. like, back in the, you know, like, lotion warmer, change purse, like, you could really find a number of uses for an extra veg. But but what really went down is that a big, fat asteroid slammed into the planet, killed off all the dinosaurs except some disgruntled birds, and now, well, eventually birds, right? And now there were two kind of ancestors, or eaves, that were head and head. Right, the ones that became marsupials—think kangaroo, possums. Right. Yep. You know, we don't have a pouch; they have a pouch. That's the right. big difference. They have the extra right? vagina. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they also have the extra vaginas, and they also have corresponding like penises with yeah. two or more heads that go into those multiple vaginas. Wow. Just wow. FYI, yeah. Like a kangaroo is having some complicated kinky sex, right? That's right. just what's going on. Yeah. And that's because, and that's just how it worked out that their bodies evolved into that. And our bodies went with a simpler single vag plan. Sure. No one knows exactly why our version was more successful in the long run. But it mostly seemed to be that like most marsupials were isolated to South America and then over now in Australia. Yeah. Whereas we had more we had more spread. Okay. So anyway, so that's why we don't have more than one vagina, sure. which I have now learned. Right? Yeah, this is a great um, thing to know. It's important to know I maybe. It's important to know
0: <laughs> I, I, like, I think I'm constantly in a state of shock of how little I know even though I'm walking around with one So like it is important to know and I actually think it's fascinating
1: all yes. the different ways we could have gone
0: but like it's again total accident
1: we ended up this way again
0: yep. I mean like
1: 20 years ago were you thinking about this? Like, like, I mean, you did not actually answer my question. That's so great. Could, you maybe, no. oh. could you maybe, yeah. So there were, I think it was a roundabout way of trying to say that I have lived in a biologically female body my entire life. Mm-hmm. And as a person living in such a body in the kind of crap, but kind of awesome, but kind of crap world yeah. we live in. Yep. Right. Yeah. Um, there's, there are many different moments In which, you know, things kind of rang little bells for me, right? I mean, the one that I used to open the book, which happened more closely to when I got the book deal. Yeah. So that was, I was watching the film Prometheus. Yes. Much love for Ridley Scott. He is brilliant. And so this is supposed to be a prequel to Alien. And there's this moment where, you know, Numi Rapace shambles. She's been, see, so Ridley Scott decided she should definitely be impregnated with a violent alien squid baby, which is a choice. It's fine. You know. (laughs) Choices were made. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, in boardrooms for these movies. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so she shambles in. She's got this surgery med pod, very futuristic, right? And she's like, I need a C section. I think she desperately says something like cesarean. You know, <laughs> she uses right? the 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 official scientific term. Perfect. Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. But they're just like cesarean, you know. <laughs> and, and 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 like the med pod says, beep boop. Um, yeah. Sorry, this med pod is calibrated for male patients only. You know, and then she's like. What the actual, you know, like, and then, and then there's a really violent scene with like a laser and she like basically gives herself a C-section and these tentacles come out and anyway, the movie ensues. Enjoy. Go watch it. Enjoy. So, right. But I'm sitting there in the audience and I'm like, who the hell sends a multi-trillion dollar expedition into space with equipment that doesn't work on female astronauts? Yeah. You know? And for me, America, I'm just kidding. uh, For me, exactly, exactly. I'm like, I don't know, most of biomedical science (laughs) turns out, right? So we almost always study male bodies, right? It's just like in the biological sciences, it's just like penis all the way down, right? It's just like maybe a little rodent dick, you know, actually a lot of that. And then like some monkey and some pig and the occasional dog. But, you know, and even all the way up to human, we're just mostly it's guy town. Right. And mm-hmm. and the reason we're doing that is not because of some sexist, you know, conspiracy, actually. It's because Damn um, it. in the song- I know. Wouldn't it be fun? Wouldn't it be fun if we could like sure. point a finger and say, "You sure you the there's evil not a guy. limb somewhere?" But like, start anyway. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Absolutely no. It's that female mammals have estrus. We call this our menstrual cycle, right? Right. So that means our hormone cycle. They go up and down. And if, as we know, and not enough people admit, it affects everything, everything. in the body. Everything. Right. Absolutely everything. It turns out. Literally everything, just about every tissue in your body has sex hormone receptors, whether you are male, female, intersex, doesn't matter what gender you identify as, you've got sex hormone receptors throughout your body. Okay? When you have normally cycling hormones, you end up having differing function in those tissues throughout your body. Now, if you're studying a rat and you've got a limited amount of time to do your experiment, you don't want to deal with that mess. And so the kind of consensus was, well, we'll just only do the guys, which is a terrible idea when you think about it, but at the time seemed okay. Anyway, it became the norm throughout the biological sciences and stretching into biomed. And then what ends up happening, of course, in our very human lives is that by the time a medication arrives on the market, it may not have been tested on any female bodies at all. Okay. So we're talking from little rodents, because that's how you arrive at a clinical trial. You start with your animal models, and then you move into human for obvious reasons, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's famously total under enrollment. What that means is not enough women sign up for clinical trials. Part of that was for a long time. They weren't allowed to, but part of it is that maybe we're a little suspicious. I don't know. It could be many things. The point is, is that not enough women are doing it right? And that means that by the time you get at the end, right, yeah. Yeah. you just haven't been testing. So there are some laws that are changing. There is a good push to make this better. But there are so many loopholes that it's just a massive problem.
0: Was there anything that you were just like, wow, we, we should have been paying attention to this? Or wow, we did pay attention to it. Not enough people know that we were paying attention, right? Was there anything that you just really stood uh- out when you were done?
1: You know, there were there were many things. Some of them were more shocking and saddening, and some of them were hilarious. You know, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of material in the book. It's not yes. a small book. It's not a small um, book. But you know, like the last don't third freak is out. Right? Don't be don't be afraid. Yeah. It's don't okay. be afraid. It's okay. I just you can was do gonna this. say that. The last I wrote part... this so that yes. you don't have to be a scientist to understand this. Yes, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yes. One of the really interesting and cool things that I found both illuminating and shocking and sad and also beautiful again, was that older men literally can't hear women's voices. Yeah, um, so no, it's, it's actually really a problem, okay? Yeah. But it is fixable, it's totally fixable. Mostly a lot more men need hearing aids and we can yeah. do that and that's fine. And there's no shame in that, but actually there's a, a biologically wow. sexed thing that go- happens whereas starting at about age 25, Male typical ears, inner ears, start to have this slope, this predictable slope of hearing loss. Wow. Now, it's not all of it. It's not like you're going deaf all at once, okay? Like guys can still hear you. But what they're losing is the very upper registers of their pitches. Now, you're on a podcast, so you know what pitches are, right? So, you know, the high pitches, the high end, they're starting to lose at this predictable slope. It accelerates when they get older, and that's when it gets more noticeable. But it's actually starting at 25, okay? Yeah. And the funny thing about the human voice is that like in music, we don't only have our core pitch, we also have overtones, Mm -hmm. okay? So our standard speaking pitch, whether we're singing a note or we're speaking, you will also an octave up and an octave up, right? That you're actually getting those overtones. If you've ever played a guitar, you know what that is. Okay, so that means that women's voices, which are naturally a little bit higher pitched, also a good part of what makes up the full rich sound of our voices is happening in a mix of that lower pitch and those overtones. And the men stop being able to hear the overtones from age 25, right? But females retain their ability to hear throughout um, for much longer in our lifetimes. So why? Um, Some of us, of course, do. No one's entirely sure. It could be just that female bodies age more slowly in general. Like, in other words, it might be a repair problem, right? It could be another more complex thing where our ears are specially tuned to hear higher pitches, which from evolutionary sense that this is yeah. this is tied to how we can hear the pitches that correspond to baby cries, baby cries and that's right. been verified you know in the lab and it's and again if you think about like a tuning system it's not it's it's just how it's tuned it's not that we can't hear all of the same pitches as men at that point when right. we're all young i mean it's just that we're more focused we're more attuned to those higher right. pitches right So maybe there's something that's helping preserve that capability over time that the men don't have. So in other words, like biologically, we don't know why it is that we hang on to our higher pitches, but we do know that by the time they get into their, you know, 40s, certainly 50s and older, you know, when they have power in a boardroom, like (laughs) biology can't explain why a guy doesn't value what you say. Okay. Right. But biology can explain why he literally thinks your voice sounds tinny and shrill because that's what it sounds like when it doesn't have its overtones. It sounds thin. It sounds tinny. It's like you have a band filter yeah. on your voice cutting off your top end, okay? And that starts, and again, now, that's again, under the, curve, <laughs> under the curve, under the curve, all bodies are different, yes. all sexes are glorious. I'm just right. saying that, you know, under the curve for the average biologically male ear, you're getting that pattern of loss of the upper end, Right. Yeah. And it's just such a different way of thinking about what's actually going on when people right. of two different biological sexes are speaking to one another, because you have a voice and you have an ear and there's actually physics involved.
0: Okay. That is fascinating. What was it like navigating all of this material, right? Because mm-hmm. I think it is hard to not, to not look at it through the science lens, simultaneously with whatever social lens that we carry, whether we are aware of that or not. Like it's very easy for me to listen to that story and want to make jokes, want to think about its implications into how our society is set up, you know, like whether it's emotionally intentional or just purely physical, you know, it we, we certainly find ourselves in places with disparity right Mm -hmm. but what i really enjoy about the book is we are really looking at all of the science side of it but how hard was it for you i mean mean, i'm asking this just in general it would have been very hard for me i can't even like go to the grocery store and not be like why are these cucumbers here next to the kumquats right like you know Mm -hmm. i so Mm -hmm. clearly you found great peace
1: in the science side of it but really what was it oh i would also regularly find great rage in the science side of it remember that scientists are people the scientific community and everybody in its center and periphery are human beings right right so the people who are running these labs are absolutely doing their own thing to try to find good science, but also not be part of the problem, but also find good science and how do you interpret your data? We are all the flawed, messy beings that we are. The beauty of the scientific method is that it gives you some ways around, at the very least, Uh, your own inherent bias. It's not reliable. There's a history in the (laughs) sciences of bias, let's just say. Well, yeah. We don't need to get, yeah, eugenics, not long ago. Not Not long ago. Which is to say, you know... It's complicated. It's complicated. Okay? It is. Yeah, but but still one of the best ways that humanity has of working around our bias, and we can always make it better. Thank you very much. And when you build consensus and you build awareness, then you do make it better, and that is good. Now, I'll say that um, some places in the book, it, you know, it's a non-issue. I'm just having fun, doing my thing, right? Yeah. And there are some places in the book where I really struggled to keep my brain tight into the science and be willing to find things that I didn't like. You know what I mean? Right. Like the brain chapter. I hated writing that goddamn chapter. I didn't want to write a chapter about the brain and sex differences. Are you kidding me? Like in what universe does someone like me, a queer woman whose science is in public, want to then write about whether or not male brains are more innately intelligent or some shit, right? But like to write that chapter... I had to actually take the question seriously. I had to actually dig in and like be willing to find something I didn't like. So it took me like a year of like yes. rage writing, just like, <laughs> just like, oh, you find that statistically significant. Oh, yeah. you know, just like, just like, just. like and then I had to like set it aside and go yeah. like find my piece, work something else, find my piece, work on something else. Right. And come back to it. Yeah. And you know, I was able in the end and so thrilled To find that actually, if you were to hold two human brains in your hands, now don't go do this. Don't raid, you know, grades or anything, you know, and if you're a med student, there are rules around this, but if you, for some reason, find two cadaver brains in your hand. Yeah. Okay. Could happen. Any day. You would not be able by nearly any measure to tell which one was biologically male and which one was biologically female. OK, you would not yeah. be able to like even if you had a microscope and you say because there are some brain features that, again, statistically, maybe a very minor, whatever, kind of maybe sort of a little difference. Like in this one brain region, you say, oh, that's a female typical region. OK, but then in another region in the exact same brain, you find male typical features. OK, so the only way. To actually determine whether a brain has come from a biologically male body or a biologically female body is to literally chop it into pieces, sluice it down and sequence the DNA. And you're going to have to do it for a lot of cells in that brain, because actually, if that person has ever been pregnant and was female, she may have cells in her brain that have Y chromosomes from her actual fetus that migrated up through her damn blood system, set up shop in her brain and have started reproducing themselves. Okay, so like you really it's hard to do. And so there's this idea in neurobiology um, and cognitive psychology called sex mosaicism. That there's a kind of sex mosaicism in the brain, that your brain, if you're a human being, seems to have, you know, features of both depending where you look. And so unsurprisingly, you actually have very common functionality, which is to say, cognitively, male, female, intersex, whatever, these are largely equally capable of doing just about anything that human beings do. OK, and I dig in in the book, I dig in into the math question, I dig into the emotions question. I get there. I do. I do all that. Right. But the conclusion is strikingly similar functionality.
0: OK, so which, OK. OK, so because I want to know more, I just want to keep talking with you about this. So when you're studying something like that from a scientific standpoint, I'm listening to yeah. the words that you're saying.
1: And Mm -hmm, from my face, yeah,
0: from your face, the mouth, it's moving and they're coming into my ears and it sounds beautiful. Mm. I like in my head, I began to ask questions like how much or does it at all the idea of nurture impact the actual development? of those, for example, those differences or those similarities in the brain, right? Like if somebody, if we have two brains that -hmm. are basically wired the same, Mm -hmm. one brain is told that they are very smart and that they can handle these complicated, like my mother always used to like yell in the car, give the map to Elizabeth, she's very good at maps. I, I, I don't know if I was very good. I'm very good at maps now, but like, mm-hmm. and the other person is being told you only need to worry about sewing and caring for, you know, children or whatever. How much does that play into biological evolution? Does it at all?
1: Yeah. So what I hear you saying is that you want to know how much, growing up in a world that tells you to be one way or another actually makes you one way or another. Is that what I'm hearing you? Kind of. Yeah. 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 And the shortest answer is a lot, a lot, (laughs) a lot, a whole lot. Okay. Actually one of the unique things about the human species is that we have this really long extended childhood, which is full of continuous brain development. Okay. Our closest related non-human primate, other ape, is the chimpanzee. Well, chimpanzees and bonobos were equally related to those two, but they're basically both chimpy. Okay. So a chimpanzee childhood is a handful of furry years. Okay. Mm -hmm. And our childhood, it stretches up to as much as two decades with our incredible brain development happening all throughout that period. Right? Right. That's very unusual. It's one of the distinctive features of our species. In fact, what's unusual and interesting about our brain isn't just that it's so big. It's not even just our big swollen frontal cortex, which is a thing, right? It's actually that it's not how big it is, it's how you build it, okay? And we build it over decades of our lives. And all of that is deeply enmeshed in what a psychologist would call social learning. You're learning literally how to be. How do you fit into your society? How are you supposed to behave? What are the rules? who are friendly and who's definitely not that guy friendly, you know, right. how do you know how to exist in this social world that you are hurled into out of your mother's vagina? Right. Right. You know, yep. and it is, it's more of a hurl. It's there's like a, yeah. Oh, in. I it's know. Like they a, just very, go, There's a kind of ballistics involved. Yeah. In fact, sure. that's kind of, mm. yeah. So, if that's the case, if what's most distinctive about us is our long social learning period of childhood, that's like the big story of the human brain, then we should absolutely find differences between people right. who are raised differently, right? We should absolutely expect to see social influence on eventual functionality. So, like I say in the book, there's a, such a thing as stereotype threat, okay? Yeah. Now, this is a term from psychological science. Stereotype threat is basically like this if you put two different women into two different lab environments and you give them a math test. But before they take the test, one of them is exposed, is prepared, learns the idea that girls are supposed to be bad at math. Well, that girl will do more poorly on the test than the one who wasn't so prepared. Okay. But it isn't just that. It isn't just the normal sexist stereotypes that work with stereotype threat. Because if you put two typical cis guys into a lab environment like that and one of them is told uh, guys aren't as good at emotion they don't really know how to process emotion and then you give them a test where they're supposed to identify emotions on these faces on a computer well then those guys that have been prepared won't do as well okay and there have been similar things with like if you prepare a Black American engineer, you know, for a subject test, but tell them that, you know, Black people aren't supposed to be good at engineering, similarly is the effects. Which is to say, throughout a person's lifetime, we live in the social environments we live in, and we take these messages in, and they absolutely affect how we end up performing, right? But it can also work the reverse way. Right. That's the beautiful thing. Yeah. Right. That it can also be the case that positive messaging can improve performance for, you know, all different sorts of marginalized folk. Okay, so so that's just how brains do. That's just what brains are doing in the human body. They're learning and they're performing accordingly.
0: Right. No, that absolutely makes sense. And uh, again, feels like a sometimes tricky place to navigate, depending on what story you're trying to communicate clearly, especially with the sciences. And actually mm-hmm. it leads to this question. So you've broken the book up in your different chapters, right? And they're yep. all, yeah, yes, like books do mm-hmm. with chapters. I did a book thing. You did mm-hmm. a book thing with chapters. It's, it's cool. And everything to me falls into a very scientific-y legs that's a physical <laughs> science, right? You've got a chapter mm-hmm. on womb milk, but you end with love. I do. You do, and I—I I am wondering why. Why do you end with? Why do you end with love? <laughs> you know,
1: I actually there is a scientific answer for that. Good. Believe it or not, there I is. I do believe there is. it. Let me science at you. Thank okay. You. So the, the chapters are broken down by the various, what we would call distinguishing traits mm-hmm. that place us where we are on the taxonomic tree. You've probably heard that we're homo sapiens. Sure. Well, that's actually a taxonomic tree. You know, homo sapiens, we're also apes. Okay. We're also primates. Okay. We're also mammals. Okay. Right. You know, back yeah. and back and back. So what I tried to do is I picked what seemed like our most distinguishing traits that make us what we are as homo sapiens. Mm-hmm. And I went backwards in time saying, okay, where did this trait originate? Where are we going to find something like the last common ancestor of where this shit came from? Right. Right. Yeah. So that's why I start with milk because milk happens way before we have the uterus we do. Milk yeah. is like one of the oldest things that mammals make, And one of the most recent things that I think distinguishes us as a species is uh, the ways in which we build these complex, amazing social bonds and our mating strategies. And you know, when it comes to mating strategies, when did our more modern, more human mating strategies come about? Well, that's going to be just about the last thing in our evolutionary path, right? So that's why I end on love, because if I want to know what our ancestral mating strategies were really like, well, the best place to look for that actually is our bodies. Our physiology leaves a trace of what the behavior of our ancestors wrecked on that body, right? And so I was able to then dig in. And if you haven't read the love chapter, you're in for a treat. You're going to learn a lot about penises, as you should. Yeah, As you should. There's a surprising amount of dong in this book. Okay, but if you're going to... It's really just more than you would even really... No one's well, prepared no, for that. Actually, you should do it anyway. I'm not yeah.
0: sure it's going to surprise me that much, given even just yeah. the history of evolution focusing mainly on male
1: bodies. So. Well, actually, in this case, it's because... In every species that has a vagina, yeah, uh, the phallus or the or the penis yeah. uh, co-evolves with it. So it's it's always going to be a twofer. I'm afraid it doesn't have to be in your sex life, but it yeah. does in the sciences. It's so a chicken, you know? chicken That's and an just, egg all at the same yeah. time. Yeah, surprisingly oh, tied no. to that, given the yeah. whole veg thing. But anyway, yes. Yeah, no. yeah, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Although roosters don't have a penis. Fun fact. Oh. Look into that.
0: Okay. What do you see, or what do you hope will come from making? this information more mainstream I mean your book comes out in a couple of weeks but it's like one of the number one bestsellers right now like for new releases on Amazon I did not know that surprise so it comes out on
1: Tuesday
0: I well it's people are very excited about it so when you finished it finally what do you hope its influences
1: I mean we all hope to do some good in the world okay yeah. So one always hopes that you, you push the peanut forward that you did something. <laughs> you did something good. We all hope for that. We yeah. all do, you know. More specifically, I think I think we all live in these bodies which are often weird and uncomfortable and <laughs> uh, different from one another's. And uh, we don't always have good language for describing our experience, which of course is the only way we get to bridge the gap by actually talking about our experience with one another, and then listening and understanding that when someone talks about their experience of living in their body, you are now listening to the world's expert on that subject, because we are each the best authority on what it's like to live in our bodies, right? And I just think, I think if more people had access to the crazy, cool, new science going down in the biology of sex differences, it might help make some of it less taboo. Mm -hmm. It might help give us new language to use to describe what we go through. It might help give us new frames of reference. And of course, in my hope of hopes, I hope it makes it that much easier for scientists who are doing this cutting edge work to get the grants they need to do the work. Right? Right. Because of course, we're in the middle of this paradigm shift right? This is actually a change in the sciences that we're starting to study the biology of sex differences. And whenever you get a paradigm shift of any sort, Mm -hmm. there's resistance. Mm -hmm. There's there's It stops and starts, right? So if we can get enough of a groundswell supporting this new research, then we don't have to wait so long to find out what they're going to learn. Right.
0: The book is great. Eve by Kat Bohannon. And I hope you will stick around and share some genius and fails with us.
1: Sure. So many.
0: (laughs) One Bad Mother is supported in part by Factor. It goes without saying that it is... At times, no fun to make another meal, or even plan meals for the week. But now you can save time and eat well with Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. With Factor, you can choose from 34 and more weekly, flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen, ready-to-eat-in-two-minute meals. I got some of these, and I got to tell you, they were really good. Pop it out, put it in the microwave. I enjoyed the roasted tomato and vegetable risotto. Head to factormeals.com slash badmother50 and use code badmother50 to get 50% off. That's code badmother50 at factormeals.com slash badmother50 to get off.
3: The human mind can be tricky. Your mental health can be complex. Your emotional life can be complicated. So it helps to talk about it. I'm John Moe. Join me each week on my show, Depression Mode with John Moe. It's in-depth conversations about mental health with writers, musicians, comedians, doctors, and experts. Folks like Noah Khan, Sashir Zameda, and Surgeon General Vivek Murthy. We talk about depression, anxiety, trauma, imposter syndrome, and perfectionism. We have the kind of conversations that a lot of folks are hesitant to have themselves. Listen, and you won't feel as alone, and you'll have some laughs, too press mode for Maximum Fun at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485.
0: Genius fail time, everybody. I'm going to share my genius. And that is, you know, I, I well, you do a show this long and every single week you have to share a genius or a fail. It can be hard. It, it can be very illuminating. But it can also be hard because it all really runs together, everybody. And there are a lot of weeks where I don't feel very genius. But- oh. You know what I mean? Like every week you gotta be ready to look at
1: yourself and what's happened. No, I see exactly what you've done. You have made your therapy your job. Oh, so much so. (laughs) You're welcome, That's beautiful. That's
0: brilliant. My good job is this week, my genius, we got construction happening on the house. We're not able to live in the house. We have been Mm -hmm. in a rental and now Mm -hmm. we have to move rentals again. And we're Mm -hmm. it's that's happening this weekend. And my Genius is really just, it has been a, a longer period than anyone in this n- neurally divergent household mm. enjoys when it comes to change and dysregulation. Mm-hmm. And we're doing it. And I am, I am equally dysregulated. Sometimes mm. that's not the focus because mm-hmm. of others' needs. But I will tell you, mm-hmm. I'm doing it. And I like, I really feel like I could be doing it differently and, and badly, but I'm not. Mm. I'm mm-hmm. just taking it the day by the day. So Beautiful. anywho, my genius is I'm just picking up my feet and taking one step after the other. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh, my God, that's fucking genius. Now, please share with me, besides spending 10 years of your life writing this (laughs) book, any geniuses you would like a high five for, even if it's just- Actually,
1: can I give you what I thought would be a genius that turned into a fail? sure it's sure you'll see oh, you'll okay. see I'd okay i'd like to save okay so my children are now three and almost five mm-hmm. and <laughs> uh you know a year no two years ago uh one and three then mm-hmm. right yeah. now that meant that my uh, son was in the middle of potty training mm-hmm. so i cleaned up a lot of urine fine okay. that's just part mm-hmm. of it. yeah 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 there we are yeah you know it's fine fine it's fine it's fine it's not fine it's fine right so um of course that meant that like a lot and you're supposed to be able to like pee in front of your kids right because to make it normal or that's the new idea my mother definitely did not do that but yeah sure that's what people sure you try anything because you want to stop cleaning shit off of your child you know try anything. you're like fine i will pee in front of you right Fine. You Watch know, this. Then, <laughs> yeah. Right. So anyway, so fine. So what that means is that everyone's now normed to like Daffy Duck in it in my house. Right. Just like everyone is just like very pantsless. There's just a lot of naked butt. Yeah. So at one point, my son says to me, you know, looking at his sister actually, because yeah. I thankfully for once have pants on, yeah. and he says to me, you know, Mama, girls don't have a penis. Yeah. And I'm like read my book, Teach. <laughs> teaching moment, teaching moment, good opportunity. I could be, be the change you want to see, you yeah. know? Yeah. And <laughs> I'm like, well, most girls don't have a penis. Oh. And I'm, I'm like, so proud of myself. Yeah. Good, job, Pat. good way, job. Way to have a small action anyway. Yeah. So yeah. And he looks over at her and he looks at me and he's like, yeah, girls only have a butt yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and you know Mm -hmm. visually I understand there's a cleft you know my daughter there's no hair that fine you know maybe I look kind of I didn't you know and internally I'm like I could correct him oh but we're late for daycare yeah yeah Mm -hmm. you know so I, I did not I did not correct him and to this day he still says girls only have a butt and the best I can do is say most girls have most most you know Because I just, I don't know when exactly I'm going to introduce him to the idea of the vagina. I just don't, I haven't figured that out. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know when my son is going to learn that girls don't pee out of their butts.
2: Hey, I'm calling in probably the most uh, easiest win, (sighs) genius moment of my life. We have a small little alcove sort of space that perfectly fits the high chair for my 20-month-old, and she's at that age where she just wants to climb everything, and we've been trying all sorts of things to get her to stop climbing, try to climb up the, the high chair by herself. And we finally realized, oh, my God, just turn it around so it faces into the little alcove as opposed to out. It seemed so obvious, but when I did it, my husband looked at me like – I don't know. I had recreated the wheel. It was amazing. Oh. That's my genius moment. You guys are doing a great job. Thanks. Yeah.
0: That's the kind of thing where you just want to run through the parking lot
1: screaming, look at me. Get out. That, you know, it's yeah. like that moment in Castaway where yeah, you're like, yeah. I have made fire. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think you, my friend, are doing an amazing job turning a chair around and you are a genius and you were right to be recognized by your partner because it's those very little things that no sleep, work, lots of other things, just having a kid in your house can make almost impossible. It's like, Oh, do you mean there was a light switch in this room? Like, I mean, we can really go for a while missing out on opportunities to make our life easier. And so good job turning the chair around. Failures. Fail! 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 You suck. Ellis, my youngest, who's nine, has had a week of not sleeping well. And, you know, we used to joke on the show, like, is sleep regression a real thing? Like, is that really a thing? Or is it just that, like, bodies constantly change all the time and sleep patterns change? So we were having a good time joking that we had hit a sleep regression at nine, and it's made for an unfortunate series of nights. And again, that tired bar hadn't like gotten back to me, you know, we were way in, so really tired and fucked up. And the fail is asking Ellis when they were this morning in my bed on top of me, asking them. How are you doing? That was a mistake because he was, their response was, why? Why are you asking me that? Well, you were, you were like really upset last night. You were crying and you're like, yeah, oh, it's just bad. Like, again, neurodivergent. And just asking how somebody was doing based on a series of things we would witnessed was the wrong first question in the morning so Mm. yeah Mm. just every day a mystery well since your genius led to a fail i would like to know uh where your fail bar is
1: oh oh my hmm i didn't prepare anything let me think i um this was a choice that I felt I needed to make, but in hindsight, maybe I didn't. And I think a lot of working mothers will relate to this. Mm-hmm. So my daughter has bad skin. Mm. She just, like, fancy bad. Like, yeah. like periorbital cellulitis periodically. Like, you know, just yeah. like, which is, sorry, that's a big technical term. What I mean is it's like she gets things most people don't necessarily get with her skin. But right. she's very healthy otherwise. Mm-hmm. You know, will has some asthma. But she's like, you know, her skin's a thing. Okay. Right. Now, um... There was a time when she had a rash
0: mm-hmm.
1: and a bit of a fever. She goes to a daycare. Fever yeah. is not unusual. Right. Okay. Fever is just like, yes, your child will have fevers pretty much yes. constantly, it seems, yeah. until age five. But anyway, And with daycare. So, okay. So, she has a fever. She has a bit of a rash. The rash looks like eczema. I don't know. But, yeah. like, you know, I have a good pediatrician, but... It's hard to get appointments and this is, I have COVID babies, which is to yeah. say I have pandemic babies, right? Oh, yeah. So we're all fully vaccinated, but you know, we've yeah. been through it. Yeah? yeah. So getting an appointment at the doctor's office is not straightforward. No. Right. In other words, I was having to choose very solidly between going to work or not. Right. Right. Now I was able quickly to get an appointment at the urgent care oh, yeah. and we've good health insurance, so it doesn't cost us much. So these, these are nice choices these to nice make, choices. right? Yeah. These are nice choices. So, of course, I take her to the urgent care. But remember that the urgent care uh, is not a pediatrician. And it Mm -hmm. turns out that the sorts of rashes that you get when you're a kid don't always look the same as an adult. And the kinds of diseases you get when you're a kid aren't always the same. And there are things that kids' bodies are more vulnerable to. So he diagnosed her with something called fifth disease, which is a mild infection that kids get. Sometimes they call it slap cheek Yep. You know, you get a big rash your cheek and you you move on with life, and you know, yeah. you're, you're going to be fine, right? Yeah. Yeah. What it turned out she actually had, oh, no. uh, which rapidly progressed like a firestorm over her body, was eczema herpeticum. Oh! What this means... What this means is that you get herpes sores yeah, all over, over your body. goddamn body, God okay? Damn. Like like uh. one of the most, and and the thing about this, as it's been described to me, is that this pain that you experience, and she is less than two years old, okay? Yeah. This pain that you experience is like broken glass in your yeah. skin because it's nerve pain, okay? Yeah. It's, not the same, it's not like getting a cut. It's like nerve pain mm-hmm. because it's attacking your nerves. And it's all over her body. Oh, so if baby. there's a sadder child, I don't know. But the thing yeah. about it is that it, it can also be life-threatening. It can also make your org, if it keeps progressing, it can make your organs shut down. No one knows exactly why some kids get it and some kids don't. And just because you get it once doesn't mean you'll ever get it again. But you have to be able to recognize it. You know who recognizes it? Pediatricians. You know who doesn't? The PA. Urgent care, right. At the urgent care who obviously are well-trained in all the things people would normally go to urgent care for, but at this early stage wasn't able to. But thankfully, my husband's sister is a hospitalist pediatrician. She works at a top children's hospital, so we get on the Zoom, right? Yeah. We get on the we get on the Facetime. I don't remember what program, whatever. Anyway, we right. get on the computer, and you know, I'm showing in. She's like, "You need to go to the ER." I don't, I don't think that that's fifth. I think that that's eczema herpeticum. And yeah. by the time we get to the ER, this poor baby, baby. is just. She's, you know, we're borderline yeah. for having her admitted at yeah. this point. You know, and thankfully because of my sister-in-law right but oh my god and in the guilt oh the guilt guilt because it wasn't just that like i didn't catch it in time okay i'm not a doctor whatever phd not md right that's not my yeah you know but like the guilt also of having chosen to take her to the urgent care instead of the pediatrician because that would mean i would get to oh yeah yeah that you, was awesome. Yeah. That was a real good feeling. Just, just delicious. Yeah. How you sleeping with mm-hmm. that one? That'll mm-hmm. haunt you.
0: That's got, that's a haunter. That's like a Can ghost. you imagine
1: if she had been admitted? Um, like, my mother is Catholic. Oh, I yeah. may have just exploded, yeah. you know? Oh, like, I can't.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. you're, yeah, one foot right in hell.
2: Hi, Biz. I've got a new coffee fail for you.
0: coffee fail.
2: I, I got the water in the carrots. I got the grounds in the thing. It's an espresso maker. I didn't, I put the lid on and I didn't tighten it all the way. I tighten it like not, not, you know, where you like really should have done an extra half turn and it starts like Uh sputtering. No, like I put it on and turned it just enough that it looked like it was on. Oh, yeah. And then I'm like, why is nothing happening? Why is there no coffee accumulating in my carrot? Is my coffee maker broken? And I go over and realize no, it's just not like you can't create pressure because I didn't mm-hmm. put the lid on. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't finish putting the lid on. I put the lid on only enough to fool myself into thinking that everything was correct. I guess I'm starting over from stage one. <laughs> Maybe this time I can focus enough to get it right. <laughs> Probably not without my coffee though. Thanks, Daisy. You're doing a great job. I really need to hear. I was too. Bye.
0: You are doing a good job, but not at making coffee. I just really want to point that out, that now you've shared it, we all feel weird about it. And uh, yeah, that is a disappointing fail. I also really like that you're, it's not that I didn't put it on right. It's that I fooled myself. And that that is where I think the beauty of this fail lies. And I I wonder if all of us wanted to stay up really late and not get a lot of sleep and beat ourselves up like crazy, is to try and think of all the other places we have fooled ourselves and really just not be able to move forward. I don't know. If only we had three or four vaginas, we might have handled it differently,
1: right? Absolutely, like maybe you could store some grounds up there, like who knows, so many options. So many choices you could make. Don't do that, though. Don't put coffee in your vagina. You could have tightened the, the basket on with an extra vagina. I have many, many memories of that feeling, man. Yeah. Where, like, I feel like my grip on reality oh. is is loose, loose grip. You know, maybe yeah. more of a passing relationship with reality for a lot. You know, especially <laughs> in those early years. Ugh. Oh, man. <laughs> well,
0: cat. But Hannon, I want to tell you again how much I appreciate you spending 10 years of your life writing this book. I would like to recommend everybody to run out right now to wherever you buy books. You know where to buy books. We're going to link everybody up to where you can find out more about Kat and the
1: book. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for the invite. Good to meet you. You are the
3: greatest mom i've ever known i love you i love you when i have a problem i call you on the phone i love you i love you hey this is daniel barwella technology and data specialist i'm here with
0: Kira Gowen, Ad Operations Specialist, and we are both worker owners here at Maximum Fun.
3: October is National Co-op Month, so we're celebrating our brand new co-op and others with an event called Co-Optober. Co-Optober.
0: We've got special events all month long, starting with a live Q&A on YouTube, where Max MaxFun worker owners will answer your questions on Friday, October 6th, and much more to come.
3: We also want to tell you about some incredible limited edition merch exclusively available to Max Fund members until the end of October.
0: If you're already a member of Max Fun, you've shown that you care about our shows
1: and what we do.
3: If you also want to help launch us into this new cooperative era and show off your support, go
0: ahead and get yourself a hat,
3: pin, or shirt. We worked with some of our favorite artists to make them really special.
0: For details on merch, all of our upcoming events, like Meetup Day and more, visit MaximumFun.org cooptober That's
3: C-O-O-P-T-O-B-E-R.
0: Happy co All right, everybody, it's time to listen to a mom have a breakdown.
3: This is a rant. Maybe, might be short. (laughs) It's 6.14 in the morning, and I am showing up to work a whole friggin' hour before before my start time, because I can take care of things for me before I have a meeting with
1: my boss.
3: At the end of the day, because that makes sense, um, to talk about all the things that I do wrong, even though right now in my job, it really should be thank you for showing up and thank you for dealing with the issues that you have to deal with on top of being a new mother and just doing your freaking best in this um, and it's causing me <laughs> such anxiety that I brought my anxiety meds with me so that I can take it so that I don't feel like I'm going to throw up and I'm also playing police and it just it's a lot Lot. I would love to
0: go into more details as to five, but I can't. And now my husband is calling me. Thanks, Biz. Bye. Hey, I, first, I don't know what to say first. I'm going to actually start this time with, it is a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. And you are doing a really good job. Again, not leading with what I think is really a lot, and that's being a new mom, a new parent uh, that in itself is again, I mean I it's not unfamiliar to one bad mother listeners or the thesis of the show that there's some sort of strange weird expectation that we're all weird superhuman People who are able to juggle and bounce and do all the things while adjusting to kids in our house, some of us 14 years in are still adjusting and surprised every day that uh, our needs come third or fourth. And that's, that's really what this is about. You're doing your best. Like you said, you're doing, trying to work during this adjustment period is really hard. And it can feel very isolating if wherever you're working is full of people who either look like they're pulling it off with kids, whether they are or not, or don't have kids. And therefore look like they cannot relate or understand what you're going through. And it can feel... Like I said, very isolating. And I am, I just want you to know that I see you. I see that this is a sucky day of having to go in early for a meeting that you don't want to do. And it's certainly taking you away from doing anything. Like, this is what it is. It's that like, you can never have a routine. You can never, like, you got to create routines for like kids you got to create routines for work. You got to, but like, you can't, like maybe you had finally figured out a way to have coffee in the morning or whatever. And then now you have to go into work an hour early. And I'd like, I, that sounds stupid, but those things add up and it is truly disruptive. And I I just see you and you are not alone So I hope you do some like rage singing in your car or just keep calling the hotline. That's also totally an option. I am very proud of you for taking your anxiety meds with you just in case, putting some supports in place where you need them. You're doing a really good job. Everybody, you're all doing a good job. As I sit here in the middle of yet another move in less than three months uh, while we do construction on our house, I am very stressed out and uh very like it's surprising what looking at all your stuff that you've decided you got to haul around triggers uh in a person, especially when like Seventy-five percent of it is just stuff your kids need to feel emotionally stable in this weird transition, which is the opposite effect it has on me. And uh, you know, I was I myself was like you, caller, feeling very happy that I had finally found some routine during this year, which has been a very long year. Of like, I drop the kids off, I. You know, maybe I can get back into yoga. Maybe I can start walking again. This is the year. And then it's like, nope, you have COVID. Nope, you got to move. Nope, uh, your kid just came home sick. Nope, another kid just came home sick. It's that constant standing on a rug that you find beautiful, only to have it pulled out from under you every time you get comfortable on it. So, all of that is to say, you are not alone. If you feel like you might be going uh, a little insane and you can't put your finger on why, I hope that I have put my finger all up in it for you. (laughs) You're all doing an amazing job. And I will talk to you right here at this very, very low bar next week.
2: Bye I
3: got to low down Mama Blues, I gotta slow down Mama Blues, I got to slow down Mama blue. low down Mama Blues, I got to slow down Mama Blues, gotta low down Mama Blues, got to load down Mama Blues. You know that right.
0: One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To
3: support the show, go to maximumfun.org/slash/join. Well, oh, Maximum Fun,
0: a worker-owned network
3: of artists owned shows. Supported directly by you.